Merry Christmas. It's great to see you. It's great to have you with us in Mesa and in Ahwatukee. And those of you who are online, Merry Christmas to you as well. I love coming together uh, with my church family for Christmas time. And I'm so excited that Christmas Eve is actually here now. How about you? We got like a pro Christmas crowd here tonight, or is this like the, the Scroogey crowd? I just want to, okay, so you're ready. You're, some of you are ready, and some of you aren't so sure. But hey, you know, we're going to have a great time either way. I'm going to start out reading from Matthew chapter 1, and it says this. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And he said this, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And here's what that means. It means God with us. That's the name of Jesus. It actually means God with us, and it represents why he came. He is God, and he is with us. So tonight I want to talk about the comfort of Christmas, the comfort of Christmas. And I, I love Christmas Eve. I think it's a time to kind of spend with your family, you know, after, after church, of course. And you get all comfortable, and you have sweet moments together. Like, how many of you are already just counting down the time till Christmas pajamas are worn, right? You're like, you're ready for elastic waistbands, cookie. Like, and so my, my mother-in-law has this tradition where she gets her kids all pajamas each Christmas. And, you know, she kind of asked, like, do you have any special requests this year? And I thought about it, and I said, yeah, actually, I saw this thing. I, I, I think I could use the comfy. Have you heard of this? It's a blanket sweatshirt. <laughs> it's not a dress. It's a blanket sweatshirt. And, and you just see this, and you think, man, like, that would be comfortable, right? Like, I can already imagine wearing it now. Underwear optional. <laughs> Comfort guaranteed. Right? Like, you know it. <laughs> and the good news of Christmas is that Jesus came to bring comfort for those who are hurting and helpless and desperately in need. And there's one story in the Bible about a woman who experienced hurt and then she found great comfort through God. And so, you know, I read Christmas story each year and preach about it. Anna the prophet, and this is found in Luke chapter 2, and it takes place about a week after Jesus is born. His parents, Mary and Joseph, bring baby Jesus to the temple to dedicate him, and then they have this encounter with this woman named Anna. It says, Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon, this other guy, was talking with Mary and Joseph, and then she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who'd been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. So let's talk about Anna. I think this is a really cool, interesting story that doesn't get as much airtime as other parts of the Christmas story, but it's helpful for us. Anna was called a prophet. A prophet is someone biblically who declares truth to people on behalf of God. And the Bible doesn't specifically record what she said, but we can tell through her actions that she was proclaiming truth on behalf of God. And that was this, that the birth of Jesus is a really big deal. Amen? How many of you know that that's true? I can't help but read this story of Anna and notice her hardships 
and then see some parallel struggles that maybe we're dealing with today in 2020. It was a hard year for a lot of us. A lot of challenges I think that everybody faced. But the good thing about hard situations is they can teach you very valuable lessons. And there are four lessons that I specifically wanna focus on tonight. And here's the first one. That God with us brings comfort to us. Jesus came into this world and he was called Emmanuel, God with us, and that brings so much comfort to us. So this woman, Anna, there's this little detail there in the passage that it's easy just to kind of gloss over it, like, well, how does that relate to the Christmas story? But you notice it said that she was married and her husband died after only seven years. And then here she is now 84 years old, and the Bible calls her out, says she's very old. Like, I'm sure a lot of ladies wouldn't appreciate that, but it just puts her out like, they're like, you know, she's old. And she never remarried, as far as we know. She was a widow her entire life after only being married for just seven years, probably lost her husband in her 20s, and then here now she is in her 80s. And you hear about that, and you can't help but say, that's sad. That's kind of sad, isn't it? I mean, that's not the happy ending we would have hoped for for Anna. We would have hoped, like, if, if it was a Hallmark movie, I know how it would have played out. You know, she would have been single for, like, five years, and then the other village girls would have started trying to fix her up with other eligible bachelors. But she would have said, like, I'm not ready yet. It's too soon. And, and then she would have one day met, you know, a, a ruggedly handsome but shy lumberjack. And, you know, she wouldn't have trusted him at first, but he would have started doing chores around her farm and slowly just would have won her over with, like, home shy smiles and then like they would have fallen in love and they would have had kids and they would have raised them and grown old together and happily ever after you can tell I've been married now to a woman for a while so I know how those movies play out but here that's not what happened for her that's not what happened instead I think she experienced something that was very sad but I want you to understand that she wasn't a sad person what we see in Anna's story is that this woman who experienced deep loss, she turned to God. And it says that she lived in his house and worshiped him day and night with prayer and fasting. And that is an incredible example. I hope you love your church. If you come to this church, I hope you can't wait to come each week. But I'll tell you what, you cannot live here. <laughs> like we're not set up for that. <laughs> But, but Anna lived in God's house day and night. And so what that teaches us is that when we're hurting, when we're struggling, when we've experienced frustration or deep loss, the way to find comfort is in the presence of God. It's in God's presence. And I'm not saying that you need to become a nun or go live off in a convent, right? But we can learn from this that God's presence brings us comfort. In Psalm 16, verse 11, it says, in your presence there's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So even if you've gone through sad things, you can find joy in God's presence. And I think that this is so timely for us because for many people, 2020 brought some sadness into our lives. Maybe you missed graduations or vacations, other celebrations. Maybe you lost friends or even family members this year, and that hurts, that hurts. But the good thing is this, the greater your pain, the greater comfort you can find in God's presence. When it feels like your life gets harder and harder, what, the, what you gotta do is you gotta draw closer and closer to God. 
And so it might be, you know, regularly being a part of a church. It might be in a small group, like your life group. Uh, And it might be in personal time with God, praying and talking to him. But the great news for us is that if we're going through difficult seasons, God is there. He's there. He's with us. Jesus came to be God with us. And then when he left this earth, he sent his spirit, the Holy Spirit, to be God in us. And all Christians have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them. So God is always there with you. And I know that, you know, when you're going through hard situations, like real talk, when you're going through hard times, it doesn't always feel like God's there. It's usually not often until you can look back and then see that God was there. When you're looking through the rear view mirror, it's easier to see God than when you're looking out the windshield sometimes. It's like when you're a kid in high school, you know, and like that beautiful girl breaks up with you and you were like in love with her and it crushes your heart. It just makes you so sad and you cry out to God like, God, where are you? And then, you know, years later, you see the same girl like 20 years later and you realize God was with me. (laughs) Yeah. It's clear now. And I guarantee you, man, this year might have brought some sadness for you, but you're gonna look back and you're gonna see how God worked it together for good. He is with you. And that brings so much comfort to us when we're hurting or mourning. And then here's the second lesson. The second lesson I wanna highlight is to cherish your family. You know, going back to this, that she lost her husband after seven years, and, and I think anyone who's lost a loved one would tell you, man, don't take a single moment for granted. Cherish your time together. And Christmas is a time to be with family. Some people have lost loved ones this year. Other people would say, man, I got all the time with family I could ever want this year. And honestly, if I'm being real, like some of you would say, my family has driven me crazy this year. Like they've just been difficult. And that's kind of par for the course with family. I heard a story about a couple and they were in a busy shopping mall just before Christmas. And uh, the, the wife noticed that her husband was missing and they had a ton to do. So she called him on his cell phone and she asked him, where are you? And you know we have a lot to do, like where are you? He said, uh, you remember 10 years ago when we went to that jewelry store and you saw that diamond necklace that you fell in love with? And you remember I couldn't afford it then, but I said, one day I'd buy it for you. And and she got choked up and tears started to well up in her eyes. And she said, yes, I remember that store. And he said, yeah, well, I'm in the gun shop next to that store. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, sometimes family's great. Sometimes those relationships are challenging. But Christmas is a time to come together with your family. And as hard as family can be, you know, Christmas is a time uh, to forgive one another. And I, wanna, I don't know who this is for, but you might need to let go of some grudges this Christmas and give yourself the gift of forgiveness. Amen. Amen? Amen? Family can be difficult, but very rarely will anyone stick with you as faithfully as your family. You might have a weird uncle, but at least he's your weird uncle. Yeah. Like, you know, your mom might say things that get under your skin, but she'd probably be the first one in line to donate an organ to you if you needed it. And I know that there are some young kids in the house today. Listen, younger people, I know that as you kind of grow into your own person, it can be tempting to focus more on your friends 
than your family and value your friends more than your own family. But let me just be real with you. Uh, You're gonna grow up and you're gonna think that you'll stay in touch with those friends forever, but you won't. Right, friends come and go, but family sticks by your side even when it's not easy to love you. So value those relationships, cherish your family. And if you're struggling to love your family because maybe they've hurt you or let you down or disappointed uh, you, remember what Jesus said in John 13. He said, as I have loved you, you should love each other. He emphasizes we should love each other, but especially our family. So don't take each other for granted. Cherish each moment. And the great news about Christmas is that through Jesus coming into this earth and what he did dying for us on the cross, he has enabled us to become a part of God's spiritual family. And that means that if you don't have a family, or maybe your family has they've not been a part of your life, or they've hurt you, they've abandoned you, whatever it is, at the end of the day, you have a family because of Jesus. You have a spiritual family that will be with you and by your side and have your back for eternity. And that brings comfort to know, man, I'm not alone. Even if my flesh and blood relatives fail me, Jesus, he let his blood be shed to save me. And he's made me a child of God. So then here's the third lesson I wanna highlight is to hold on to plans loosely. <laughs> you know, 2020, right? Nobody saw this coming. Nobody predicted that we would experience what we did this year. And I, I got to go back again to Anna's story that, you know, she got married as a young woman. I'm sure she thought, I'm going to raise kids with this guy. We're going to grow old together and live happily ever after. But our plans don't always go the way that we think they will, do they? Nobody saw this year coming. We had trips we had to cancel, flights we had to cancel, things we had to postpone. And this year has been easily, easily we could say, somewhat unpredictable. People say, you know, we're living in uncertain times this year. And so first, I think it's good to just pause for a moment and get a little bit bigger picture perspective because in some ways this year was unpredictable, but we've got to give thanks and think about the fact that we live in one of the most stable and secure countries that has ever existed in the history of the world. Like our most unpredictable year is still pretty peaceful by historical standards. Okay, so we got to remember that But then I I think we gotta challenge ourselves in this, and I I just wanna lovingly challenge you in this area. I think that we can draw way too much comfort from our plans. And so that's why when things don't go the way that we think they will, oftentimes it shakes us to our very core. If we're being honest, we can draw more comfort from the predictability of our world than we like to admit. But God says it's foolish to find your comfort in your plans coming into fruition the way that you think that they should. No matter how solid you think your plans are, right? You can't draw comfort from that. In fact, Proverbs 16 verse nine says this, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. (laughs) You should chart the course by all means, have a game plan, right? Have a plan for your life, but God's the one who decides how it's actually gonna go down. And so if you trust in your plans, you're oftentimes gonna come up disappointed. If you trust in God, you're gonna have comfort no matter what happens. You see where we're going with this? You got to build your life on a firm foundation. 
That's the only way to have comfort in your soul, even when the world around you is unpredictable. And so there's an analogy that Jesus kind of made uh, in Matthew chapter 7. He says this, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. And what Jesus is saying is the storm is all the things that take place in your life all around you, whether it's sickness or, or economic uh, disaster or whatever, whatever it might be, right? And he says, you've got to build your life on bedrock. And guess who that is? That's Jesus. Jesus is the solid rock. If you build your life on Jesus... You can never be shaken no matter what happens around you. Other people will be. And we saw that this year. A lot of people, they were shaken to their core. And so that could be a little bit of a wake-up call. That could be a little bit of a, a warning sign. God could be using what happened this year to get some of you your attention and show you, hey, you've been building your life on the wrong things. And that's why you've been so shaken. You've got to build your life on Jesus, the firm foundation. And that is what will bring you the comfort in your soul that no matter what what happens, I'm going to be okay. Remember, it's easy to hold on to your plans loosely when you're holding on to Jesus firmly. And there's no greater comfort knowing that Jesus is in control of my life. And so then here's the fourth lesson I want to highlight. And that's to thank God for freedom daily. This is the fourth and last lesson I get from this story, this Christmas story. America is known as the land of the free and the home of the brave. But we saw this year how easily those freedoms could be taken away. And we saw all across our nation, all across the world, a different type of lockdowns occurred. And, and whatever you think about that, whether you think it's the best thing that ever happened or the worst thing that ever happened, the point is that it happened. They happened, and all it took was some really powerful people deciding that's what we're doing. And next thing you know, you couldn't necessarily travel wherever you wanted, whenever you wanted. You couldn't necessarily run a business however you wanted. Some of those freedoms that maybe we took for granted disappeared. And I think that could be a, a potentially healthy wake-up call that, man, we are so free in our nation. We have it pretty good here in Arizona, but man, a lot of people around the world didn't have it as good as we do. But we take for granted how free we really are. But maybe a couple of weeks of lockdown could help us with this perspective. At the time of Jesus' birth, the, it, the nation of Israel was living under the, uh, the oppressive rule of the Roman government who had conquered that nation and occupied it. So the people were living as captives and they didn't have a, an army. There was not gonna be like a rescue mission or a rebellion to win back their freedom. They were totally helpless. All they could do was pray to God and wait for their Messiah to come and rescue them. Some people complain about our government, but imagine being ruled over by a foreign government who doesn't care about you whatsoever. It, it helps you to understand why that song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, they sing, Ransom Captive Israel. These people, they were captive, they were mourning, and they had no other hope than God intervening on their behalf. But guess what, that's exactly what he did. That's exactly what he did when he sent Jesus into this world. Jesus came to a nation that knew they were captive, but they didn't fully understand just how enslaved they actually were. 
They didn't understand, just like many people don't understand today, that without Jesus, you are enslaved to sin. And a captive cannot find comfort for his soul. You've gotta be set free. That's why when Anna came along and sees Mary and Joseph in the temple there with baby Jesus, she starts to praise God immediately. Like she is excited and overwhelmed because she knows that this is what her people have been waiting for. It says in verse 38, she began praising God. And then she talked about the child to everyone who'd been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. This wasn't just a cute little baby getting dedicated at church. This was the savior of a people and ultimately the savior of anyone who would call on his name. This is the biggest deal that's ever happened. That's why she goes around, she starts, she starts telling everyone like, have you heard the good news? Have you heard the good news? Like we're rescued at last, our deliverer has come. That's who Jesus is. Christmas isn't about Santa Claus bringing presents to kids. It's about Jesus bringing freedom to captives. That's what this is all about. Before Jesus, right, we were spiritually bankrupt before God. We were enslaved to sin. We could do nothing to help ourselves. But the arrival of Jesus is good news. And then we read later in scripture that eventually baby Jesus grew up. That's what babies do. They grow up. He became a man. And you know, the Bible actually records his first sermon. And we could all agree that, you know, Jesus' first sermon is probably a pretty big deal. And here's what he says in Luke chapter four, verse 18. He reads from the Old Testament and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And he got up and he's like, today these scriptures have been fulfilled in me. I'm the one who came with good news to set the captive free. That is great news. This is the greatest news of all, that Jesus has come to us. You know, I'm excited for you to come together as families. And when you get together with your family this Christmas, right, and you celebrate and you share presents under the tree, stop and give God thanks for the greatest gift ever given. It's Jesus Christ. He's the gift you didn't even know you needed until you received it. Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. He just, he, he just keeps on giving. Like you didn't even know you needed him until he comes into your life and he sets you free and he forgives your sin. But then he just keeps on giving. When you're discouraged, he brings you joy. When you're struggling with bad habits, right? He sets you free. If other people aren't treating you fairly, Jesus gives you God's favor. Amen. What greater gift? could we possibly receive? That's why Christmas is just the greatest thing. I'm so grateful that we have this opportunity to celebrate it tonight. But I wanna say this, man, to anyone who might be with us who has not experienced this, who hasn't yet received this gift, and maybe you're like, well, how do I know if I've received it? If you have, you know. If you're not sure if you've received it, then you probably haven't. And the Bible says, how do you receive Jesus? It's anyone who calls on his name shall be saved. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That basically means you gotta acknowledge that he is who he claimed to be, the son of God and the savior of the world. 
And then you've gotta put your faith in him or, or your trust in him to save you. And, and that comes to a point where you say, I know I cannot save myself. I cannot be a good enough person to earn God's favor. I cannot do enough good deeds to make my way into heaven. I need Jesus to save me. You don't have to understand everything in the Bible yet. You don't have to have all the answers. You just have to know the answer. And it's Jesus. He's the only way to be saved. So there might be someone with us tonight in the room or online who needs to receive Jesus. And what better gift to receive than him tonight? This could be the most important decision of your entire life. So I wanna take a moment to pray. Can we bow our heads and pray together? And if you're here and you're like, man, I need to know that I've received Jesus tonight. I want him to come into my life and forgive my sins and change me, make me a child of God and give me God's blessing and favor in my life. If that's you tonight, then just pray this prayer with me. It just helps to express what's in your heart. It's not a magic prayer, but if you mean this, God will hear it and he will respond. Just pray with me and say, God, I need you to come into my life. I receive Jesus as my savior. And I thank you for the gift of salvation. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins so I could be forgiven. And I believe that he rose from the dead so I could have eternal life and victory. Thank you for loving me, God, for making me a part of your family. And thank you, Jesus, for setting me free. I wanna follow you from this day forward. Amen. Amen. God is so good, isn't he? Amen. Well, hey, I wanna pray for those of you who are here tonight. Just like, I just wanna bless you and pray for your family, if that's okay. So let's just do that real quick. God, I thank you for each and every person who's here tonight, each and every family who's represented here tonight. I pray that you would bless them, keep them healthy, God, and provide for all their needs. I pray that their relationships with each other would be stronger than ever this Christmas and in the year to come, God. Show them your favor again and again. We thank you, God, for your goodness, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Merry Christmas, God bless you.